0: Good morning and welcome. This is Brad Perlin, your host on Vermont Viewpoint here at WDEV in Waterbury, Vermont. Really glad to have you here, listeners. We can't do radio without you, and we appreciate all the advertisers as well. Can't do radio without them. Uh, it was a uh, quieter week uh, for me. I got to uh climb Mount Elmore on Tuesday night for the full moon, and it was very peaceful going up although there was a lot of ice at the top and it was a little tricky navigating but it the moon made a beautiful appearance for about 10 minutes and then sent me home and it was great. Uh pretty a lot of fog this morning driving in so if you're out on the roads be careful. The highway, the interstate um this was socked in pretty good this morning. Uh we have a great show today. We're going to be starting uh, with uh, talking about the Vermont Almanac, which is this amazing book that is a collection of anything and everything that's going on in Vermont. And we'll, uh, I have Patrick White, who is a uh, writer and editor uh, for Vermont Almanac, and he's a Christmas tree grower, too. And Brett Ann Stanchu is a writer and can, has uh, a few uh, pieces in, in the almanac as well. And then at 10 o'clock, Rick Norcross is coming. Rick and the All Star Ramblers release of God Bless the Mighty Pickle. It's a little Western swing. So we'll go from, uh, almanac study to, uh, who knows what here at WDEV. <laughs> long history of music, uh, at this station and, uh, and a long, History of artists and, and writers, and uh, that's going to start our first segment here, so I want to welcome Patrick White and Brett Ann statue to the show. Welcome
1: thank you, yeah, thank you thanks for having, for having us, Fred.
0: yeah, it's great having you uh, so Patrick, start with you. Can you just give us a little background on of the Vermont Almanac uh, so that people know that yeah sure and what's going on?
1: Yeah, so this is, um, we, we just released, and, and what people can find in bookstores now, um, is Volume 4 of Vermont Almanac. Um, it's an annual book, about 300 pages long, um, and it's divided into 12 chapters that, that follow the, the course of the year in a monthly term. So um, each month is, is its own chapter, and, and within each chapter, uh, you'll find sort of similar um, Uh, Structure, I guess. There's a a personal essay, uh, sort of a, um, and and that ranges from really well-known Vermont writers to people that may not consider themselves writers, but have these beautiful stories to tell. Um, And and just uh, it's a it's a great way to start each chapter off. Um, And each chapter also has a weather component, um, being an almanac. and, and this year in Volume 4, we expanded the weather to two pages um, r- rather than one, just to give it a little more space. And that turned out to be um, a good decision, unfortunately, because there were so, so many stories to tell weather-wise this year. Um, so each chapter also has um, a, a nature notes section, which is a, a sort of a little hodgepodge of, of different t- you know, tidbits, I guess, um, about the the wildlife the plant life of vermont um that's maybe the the little section of the book that i learned the most um uh it's neat to be able to learn and and see and and understand better that the the things around you as you're walking through the woods um each chapter also has a history section we call it look back um and that that ranges um everything in volume four from a, a Profile uh, of Calvin Coolidge, a, a well known Vermonter, to a profile of a Civil War nurse um, who, who's probably, you know, in many ways forgotten by history, but an incredible story to read. Um, and then each chapter also has a, a section we call um, at home, which is uh, um, recipes. Um, in, in volume four, that ranges everything from uh, pea shoot salad to maple baked custard to. <laughs> Uh, for the really adventurous beaver cheesesteak. Mm. Uh, so, um, and then finally, each chapter has a, what we call an industry focus. Um, and that could be that the big industries like maple or, or logging in Vermont or dairy, um, to, to sort of new industries, cannabis this year is in volume four, um, to industries, uh, like the ski industry. Um, it, it's sort of uh, all of the, Maybe if, I'm, what I'm, if what I'm describing sounds like it's a wide-ranging eclectic mix, it is. Um, but it, it, I think it all ties together in a way that it, it focuses on the, the people and, and the land of rural Vermont, and that's that's really why the almanac exists.
0: Yeah, what a, a great journal of Vermont all, all around. And how did this come about? Uh, what was the beginning?
1: Yeah, we, so this is, again, this is volume four we're at now, um, and I, I should say, with the start of the new year, we've got a meeting set to start planning volume five, so um, we're going to keep going, uh, but so this started, again, four years ago, um, and there was a group of four of us, um, uh, myself, uh, Dave Mance, Virginia Barlow, and Amy Peberty. Um, we had all worked together at a... At a a magazine um that was focused on the on the natural world um we all left there around the same time and, and thought you know there's there's nobody really telling the story of rural vermont the land the people um and, and we sort of brainstormed a, a way to do that and, and went through a couple different ideas and and settled on um this concept of vermont almanac um and and it's so we we put the first volume out in the in the pandemic and weren't sure you know if we would find kindred spirits or an audience that um and and we have and it's been maybe the, the most fun part to see that um that we're not alone that there's other people out there a lot of people who care about this um, small rural state that we live in um, want to know more about it um so we're set up as a nonprofit. This is a, a the mission is to tell stories from and for the land. I mean, really, it's to to shine the spotlight on on rural Vermont, um, the land itself, the working lands, um, the nature, the the people that are doing all this work, um, the traditions, um, and, and hope to to sort of preserve it and celebrate it.
0: We were talking this morning with Patrick White and Brett Ann Stanshu. Uh, the Vermont Almanac, which is this amazing um, book that is not only great, great writing, uh, eclectic, I guess you'd say, uh, but also the photography is remarkable, and the quality of the book is remarkable, too. It's really high-end uh, production.
1: Yeah, thank you. I think I should, should note that this is a, a Vermont project start to finish, um, that the book starts off with... 60 to 70 contributors um, for, and these are Vermonters who are sharing their writing and expertise with us um, including Brett who um, I hope we're going to turn this over to here in a second I feel like I'm talking too much but um, the uh, this is a Vermont project our designer Lisa Caddo um, is uh, up in the, the uh, Heroes um, it's printed um, by Volante Printing in Milton um, it, it's just uh, it's not easy these days to to put out a book, you know the easy thing is to ship jobs out of state or you know printing out of state or whatever and we've sort of tried to make a conscious effort to make this a Vermont project through and through
0: yeah, it's fantastic so Brett Ann Stanchu is a Vermont writer uh Hidden View was one of her first published pieces unstitched, and then she does a kind of like a journal uh, uh stony soil Vermont. Yeah. And uh and and also now you're you've been part of in and in, in this edition as well, uh a few pieces. Uh can you tell us a little bit about is this different from your normal writing or, or tell us a little about the stories?
2: Yeah, so I wasn't part originally of the first volume. um, And when I read it for the first time, I was so excited by this book because it's very much about Vermont and it has a whole diversity of voices. And I was just entranced by all the different things that were in this. Um, And then Dave Mance asked me to write for the first one, and then I've done, uh, for the second one, and then I've done some different pieces. For this one, I have two longer pieces, and one of them is on Greensboro Bend Village, which is a tiny little village just off Route 16, um, right in the Northeast Kingdom. And what I really liked about writing this piece is it's a combination between people in the village and then also how they then fit into the
0: landscape. Yeah, um, so Greensboro Bend must be really tiny, (laughs)
2: It's pretty tiny.
0: And and borders Greensboro, is that right? Or or is it the center of Greensboro?
2: Well, again, this is one of these interesting things about Vermont. So, uh, as in many towns in Vermont, there's two different villages within this same town. So, there's Greensboro Village, which is on a lake and has its own history. And then there's Greensboro Bend, which is down below along the river. And... Has a history um, pretty much devoted to the railroad.
0: Amazing, yeah, yeah, and that that's true. I mean, you look at Route Seven. You've got Rutland City, Rutland Town, Saint Albans City, Saint Albans Town. All these uh, towns, cities that have they're like a donut around them of uh, the same name.
2: Right, and what was interesting to write about for this particular piece was the combination of history and how the land shapes who people are and how our towns and villages evolve.
0: Yeah, we'll get back to that in a minute. We're talking with Patrick White and Brett Ann Stanchu uh, about the Vermont Almanac, this amazing um, journal, really, of everything that happened month after month in Vermont. Now, Brett, you were talking before we went on break how the it's, it, it's very interesting to me how sort of the, the area resource maybe can guide what people do. Is that, was I hearing that a little bit? I mean, if, if there's big farm fields, I guess there's a lot of farmers, but <laughs> if there's a river, I don't know. So what, what's, what was unique in, in Greensboro Bend that brought occupation? <laughs>
2: I guess I would say the river and opportunity. And I think that's something that you can see all through Vermont, maybe all through human history. And this is one of the things I find really interesting about having this space in the Almanac to write about these things. So, for instance, when I wrote this piece, I, I did a fair amount of research. But I also did a fair amount of listening to the area that I'm in, to the people who live there and the people who grew up there. So this story that I wrote is just a few pages, but it sort of encapsulates this story of this relatively recent period of history where forces in the state right after, well, kind of like the end of the 1800s, there was sort of this rise in industry, this sort of surge to move things in the economy from one part of the country to another part of the country, and how a little part in rural Vermont became a piece of that cog in the wheel. So in order for the state to be part of this larger economy or larger human endeavor, all these little pieces had to line up. And the people who were living in Greensboro Bend and in Greensboro at the time saw that opportunity, and the railroad was built. And so in... In Vermont now, when you go along the rail trail, and this is really interesting, you can see how the history is there now. Like now we have this rail trail that's alive that people bike on and walk on and snowmobile on. But the history is right there around it. There's these beautiful culverts. There's the bed itself. But there's also these towns that have slowly grown up over the years and also changed and evolved as things do. And the almanac like provides this opportunity to have this sort of mixture of history present and then also looking towards the future as well, too.
0: It, it is quite remarkable. And when you think 251 towns in Vermont, you've got a lot of almanacs ahead of you, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> we do. Uh, so you mentioned weather was part of each chapter in the old saying is, if you don't like Vermont weather, wait a minute.
1: So you really have plenty to talk about there. Yeah, I think one thing we've tried to do with the weather. Um, maybe when people hear almanac, they think um, of the farmer's almanac, where it's sort of a, a forecast ahead, and you know, who knows the legitimacy of it. Um, but uh, what our approach to weather is to sort of is twofold. I think it's to to one, document so we're it's it's easier to to. Get the weather right when you're reporting on it after the fact. Um, so the, the almanac sort of looks back at the last the, the weather of each month from the prior year. And um, in, in in doing that, we can sort of look at trends. Um, but I, I think in the bigger picture, what we're trying to do is tell a story about the impact that that weather's having. Um, again, the almanac is is a nonprofit. Um, we're not political, we're not advocates, we're storytellers. Um but I think one way to, to um m- maybe a, a powerful way to um <laughs> to get the message um, out is to tell the stories of the, the real life impact that the weather's having. Um, I can think of a couple of ways, you know, in this volume four, we did that. Um, one, uh, Alan Thompson, uh, who who lives in, in Waterbury here, actually, um, is president of the Vermont Woodlands Association. And he um, sort of wrote us a piece about the, the last year um, for loggers um, in, in its, you know, maybe you hear stories, we all know the, the impact of the wet weather in, in towns um, and, and houses and businesses. Um, but there, there was an impact up in the woods as well, where loggers were kept out of the woods. Um, the, the warm, wet weather has, has impacted limited logging opportunities. Um, the loggers don't want to do damage to the land, so they're staying out of the woods. Um, and that has a cascading effect on lumber availability and um, so, you know, that's, that's a real life, um, impact. And, and I guess there's, there's other correlations to that. Obviously, the farm fields that are easier to see, um, when there's a flood. You can see the corn underwater. Um, but it's, I think our, our approach with the weather section is to, to both document, um, and hopefully preserve a record for the future of what was happening at this time. Um, but also to to sort of convey that um, it's not just um, what you can see, that there's there's hidden impacts to this weather, um, to the land itself, obviously, and to the people that make their livelihood working on the land.
0: Well, we definitely saw detrimental impacts in Montpelier and all over the state. I've never seen a cornfield destroyed like I did after the, the flood this year. And uh, so you... you you, the almanac will serve as sort of looking at trends too over time. So
1: I think it does. I hope, we hope it's something that people and, and we, we, from a design and, and the printing standpoint, try to make it something that people will want to keep around um, as a collectible. Um, but we hope it, it is something that people can look back on a hundred years from now and say, "Wow, this this time period was really wild." I, I hope they're looking back. From a perspective of saner weather, um, but they, I, I think they can, it'll come through to somebody in the future just how, um, impactful this, this changing weather was during this time period that we're living in right now.
0: You, uh, and speaking of looking back, uh, you talked about Calvin Coolidge, you talked about a Civil War n- nurse. Calvin Coolidge, of course, was handed the country over to, hoover and uh we we sort of took a spin after that so he stepped out at the right time uh and then a civil war nurse um vermonters were really quite engaged in the civil war and this this sounds like somebody who was very heroic
1: it, it, she was it was a um a, a woman um, who grew up on a farm in vermont her brother was going off to war and her father Wanted her essentially to go um, look after him, uh, make sure he was okay, and so she went along with that um, detachment and um, it served, you know, as a nurse in probably horrific conditions um, all through the the you know mid-atlantic in the south and ended up working in washington eventually as you know a higher up in the the veterans administration and uh just quite a tale for for someone that grew up on a farm in vermont quite remarkable
2: uh if i could just jump in for a second hmm. that piece was written by natalie kinsey warnick who grew up in albany on a farm and she's a multi-generational farm family um and her real passion is women and women's history, and that's really that's where that piece came out of. Some of your listeners may know her; she's written a number of
1: children's books. <laughs> and she had a personal connection, if I'm not mistaken, to yes. that to yeah. that particular farm. Was it yes. that that same farm? Yes. Um, that the nurse had grown up on. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wow, it's it's, it's yeah. remarkable. I uh
0: saw one of the things was cranberries growing in Vermont. Uh
1: who knew? Yeah, we like I say we try to we hit the we hit the big hitters in Vermont, the dairy and the maple and um but we we also try to shine a light on some of the the lesser known um crops and it's um th- uh, you can just say there's some amazing things that happen on dirt roads in Vermont that you might never know about, but um yeah there's uh both uh, a farm growing rice um, using ducks uh sort of a Japanese approach to rice growing um, and another farm that's growing cranberries um, at the only cranberry farm in Vermont so it uh, people have different ways to use the land and um in the the, the resources around them. And uh, it's just cool to see that these crops are are being grown in our small state.
0: So what's the correlation with ducks and rice? I'm
1: I don't want to give too much away here. I want people to, to go. get. A, well, that, <laughs> That's right. There's your teaser, folks. Well, I'll just say that the, the ducks do the weeding. Uh, ah. So, uh, ah. yeah, there's some cool photos of the ducks uh, at work in in that chapter.
0: Very cool. So we're talking with Patrick White and Brett Ann Stanchu, who are part of the Vermont Almanac. Uh, Brett has been a contributor. Uh, Patrick is a writer and editor of the book and one of the founders. And uh, if you have questions about this or comments, uh give us a call at 802-244-1777. Uh, so Brett, Ann, you uh, had a couple stories. We have a, about a minute before the break, but nothing good without a curse. Can you?
2: Yeah, so that's a piece that I wrote about Belvedere mine. And the line actually comes from a line from Sophocles quite a while ago. But that's one of these interesting stories, again, comes entirely out of the land, connections between how humans use the land and how that land evolves.
0: And using the land, you know, obviously asbestos became something that wasn't so great. But when it was first being mined, it was it was a product that that people wanted and was good.
2: Oh, and and it's still good. It's used really in multiple areas of our world and also was enormously valuable to two towns.
0: Yeah, Eden and Lowell. and Lowell, yeah. yeah. In yeah. a very
2: poor and very rural area of the state.
0: Yeah. yeah, quite remarkable. So we were talking with uh Patrick White and Brett Ann Stanchu about the Vermont Almanac, which is just this exciting book that is... Of everything, it goes, it goes from from cranberries to asbestos mines to <laughs> to Christmas tree growing. And in fact, um, Patrick, you, you have a story in there about um, Christmas trees and. Th- bringing them south? Is that what it is?
1: Yeah, there's a farm um, up in the northern part of Vermont, um, right near the border of Canada, in fact, and they, um, they've they got land up there but not a lot of people, um, and their solution to that, to, to farming um, in an economically uh viable ways to to bring the trees down to long island um they've got a family connection down there and they've have been doing it for decades now um so they they grow the trees they cut the trees and they truck them um, this is something the family started doing on a on a small flatbed truck in the uh 70s early 70s i believe um and now it's you know a much bigger operation but they 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 that's where they sell their crop um so uh, there's, I, I, I sort of marvel again at, you know, it's neat to, to learn these stories, to tell these stories, um, of the different ways that, that people make a living on the land, um, that, that you might not know is, is going on.
0: Yeah. And it's a little bit what you were saying, Brett, is that people become very innovative. And certainly we saw in Vermont that when dairy decreased, when milk prices weren't even supporting grain bills, people all of a sudden were doing maple and Christmas trees and cheese and...
2: Right, oh. right. So there's a piece at the very end about hemp fiber as well, too, and how that is also an evolving industry as well, too.
0: Yeah. It's quite remarkable. Now, Through the Glass here at WDEV is by producer Brett Curtis, and... uh Brett, you uh, during the break, you you came in and had some amazing uh, sort of insight into the Almanac as well. Yeah, uh, I am a certified guide for the
3: nation, Um, but I predominantly stay in New England, and uh, certainly Vermont is my home. I'm a seventh-generation Vermonter. We've been here since 1769. So the Almanac is the go-to book for me, and I wanted to share that. As I prepare for a tour and when I'm out on tour, I've got up as many as 54 people on a motor coach for hours at a time as we drive. So I integrate so many of the stories, so much of the weather, the history, believe it or not, an occasional recipe. <laughs> and it really works out well with people, lovely, charming people from the Midwest. Uh, my last tour was some folks from Tennessee who fell in love with Vermont. Not the cold, but, and it was great because I, I could pull a recipe out your name. Let me copy this for you. Anything with maple, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the almanac is, it's indispensable for a tour guide. That's, well, yeah. that's,
1: thank amazing. you, Brett. That's, uh, it's great to hear that, uh, um, that the work is uh, you know, making an impact here, but also on uh, people visiting the state. And hopefully with Volume 4 here, if you if you find that adventurous tour group that you can sell on the, the beaver cheesesteak, uh, let us know how that works.
3: Well, you know, I think it's very possible. Our uh, next tour group, Matty, wants me to teach them to call in a
0: moose. And I'll, drop, I'll drop in the beaver cheesesteak. Hopefully one that isn't seeking romance. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Brett, for that uh, So on the the Almanac, you have uh, this year fifty nine contributors doesn 't even count artists and and, and everything else what 's the process uh, Patrick, for getting into the Almanac? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I um I think I, I like to say we're we're a community but we're not a clique. Um you know, we we welcome new voices and it's something we try to do with every volume. We've got um some, you know, uber talented people that that like Brett who are um uh typically have a piece in there but um it, the 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 field is open for people if they've got an idea um and that can be anything from from you know, reporting on a story that they maybe their neighbor is doing something neat that they want to tell the story um, to some skill that they have, um, some you know um basic at home skill. We've had everything from how to trap mice uh correctly, effectively to um uh, there's a uh, making cornmeal in this particular uh, volume. Um, so there, there's the, the people have they might have a, a little story to tell or a bigger story to tell. They might have a personal essay that they want to share um, and and you don't have to be a professional writer um we'll, we'll work with you to, to help you know tell the story really what we wanted the voices the expertise the skills the the different backgrounds um i think one neat thing for me is to flip through that contributor section and we very intentionally put it to the beginning of the book um, because it it really is is those contributors that that make this product um as editors, we try to to compile it and guide it in a way that makes sense but it's it 's the voices of those contributors um, that that uh, that really are what make up the diversity of of um, topics that we cover and the diversity of different skills and backgrounds um, so, that come through
2: so like there 's a piece in this one about making paper orchids, uh, which is just a lovely little piece in there. And I reached out and asked Melanie Finn, who's a novelist in the Northeast Kingdom, to write a personal essay. She wrote one for February. And I love this piece because it made me laugh so much. It's really about what it's like to live through a February in Vermont. And Mm. that sort of sense of just claustrophobia in a house with children going out of your mind. And yet also really loving the beauty of Vermont and really savoring it. And... Although I don't know Melanie at all, I kind of felt like this was a friend and kind of like a voice that I could fit right into. So there's all these different layered pieces. Some are much more technical. Some are really just very personal. Like there's also a sweet little piece in there from photographer and naturalist Mary Holland about bears everywhere this year. Everywhere you turned around, there was a bear, it seemed like. So there's all these little pieces that kind of sandwich in.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: Something for everyone, right? I think so. I mean, with with 300 pages, um, it it, it really is. um, It's not a book, I think, necessarily that you sit down and read all at once. It's um, something that you pick up. Some people follow it month by month, you know, along with the course of the year. Other people will, will you know, just pick it up and flip us to a section. And I, I like to think you're going to learn something, um, be informed, or be entertained on every page. And it's the really is no matter what your interest in is if you if you've got an interest in rural Vermont, I, I'm pretty sure you're going to find something that you're you're going to be interested here. So if we have sparked the
0: interest of uh, our listeners out there and they want to contribute, do they go to a website? What do they do?
1: Yeah, vermontalmanac.org um, has a contact us section on it. Um, and it's it, we're, we're definitely um, eager to hear from people. Um, you, you could just, uh, another way to do it was just Dave at or Patrick at vermontalmanac.org if you want to send us an email to the editors.
0: Great, great. And it uh, looks like we have a call. Guy from Berlin, welcome to the show, Guy.
1: Thank you,
3: Brad. I tried to call in several times and it was in a bad cell area and it kept being dropped and it made me think that the printed word is always reliable it connects us even when our cell phones don't uh, but the main reason I wanted to call uh, is to ask uh, Patrick he, he may not be aware but his radio host is also a very gifted writer and you might want to solicit some of his work for an upcoming almanac uh, that was one thing I wanted to say, and also uh, just wondering, how much did the the farmers um, – how would you compare and contrast what you do with the farmers' almanac? What are the similarities and differences?
1: Yeah, th- in- thank you, Guy. I appreciate that call. Um, Yeah, first, uh, thank you. I didn't, so I guess Brad and I need to talk after we get off air about volume five content. Thank you, Um, guy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, as far as, um, comparing Vermont Almanac to the Farmer's Almanac, I think there's probably other than the word almanac, not, not much of a, of a connection. We, that's not something we, we looked at a few different, um, books, um, periodicals um, and sort of trying to find the, the look and feel we wanted to Vermont Almanac. And we had a sense of the content in Vermont of the Farmer's Almanac wasn't one we looked at. We we sometimes question whether we should have used the word almanac in our title. Um, but it it is an annual book and it does, you know, tell stories in an annual sense. So I, I think that's right. But it, it definitely is not a it's not a. There's no connection, I think, to the Farmer's Almanac.
0: Right, right. Um, it's just got so much in it, and uh, we're going to be taking a, a break shortly, uh, and then we'll have uh, about 10 more minutes to talk more about some of the stories. Maybe there's some more, breadth that you really love um, within.
2: I do, but, you know, I think just before the break, maybe I'll just follow up on what Guy said about the printed edition here. So this is only in print, um, and it's a very – The cover, particularly this year, is a very beautiful cover, Um, but for listeners who haven't seen a copy of it, it's a very well-bound book, but I would encourage you, if you have a copy of it, not to be afraid of it, to really use it, to bend it back. It's well put together. It's meant to really be read over and over and over, and this is one of these books. I, I have four of them now, but they've... All four editions, but they've held up over the years. And so I would feel free when you have a copy of it to open it up and first of all, breathe in the smell of fresh (laughs) ink. It's something we don't have enough of these days. It's a brand new book. And I would really savor that because it fits along with what we're doing in Vermont. We are a very, we are a physical place with physical people. And it's just a reminder that the world is not just digital.
0: It's uh well said. And you y you're you're really treasure hunters, is what I see.
1: I I think that's a good way to put it, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's great. So we're uh talking with Patrick White and Brett Ann Stanchu about the Vermont almanac. Uh Brett Ann, uh, one of the contributors uh, you were mentioning off-air was is, wrote about the, the flooding in Montpelier. Can you tell us more about that story?
2: Right. So this is a piece by Brian. I think I might say his last name wrong. Patrick, you might want to give me a hand on this uh, one.
1: Brian Pfeiffer.
2: Brian Pfeiffer. Yeah. He's in Montpelier, and he wrote an essay um, that took place after the July flood in Montpelier there's a stunning photograph where he's going down State Street in his kayak and it took me a moment when I saw this photograph to orient myself it's a place in Montpelier I'm very familiar with but not with water and certainly not with kayaking And what I really loved about this essay is, I mean, it's it's very well written, but it's also this aspect of hopefulness, too, that not only has this kind of devastation happened that's really out of the hands of humans, but the way forward is really our perspective and what we're going to do collectively. And that's one of the things that I find really most interesting about Vermont is here we are where our world is changing very, very rapidly and the almanac reflects this weather patterns that are totally wild and now out of our control. But the really the element that we have in our hands is what are we going to do as people? And Steve Pappas, he has a um his commentary in the Times Argus that he wrote after the last Christmas's storm is also in here. And in that, he remarks how people, just ordinary people who will never be famous for any reason, reach out, help their neighbors in times of need, and lend a hand. And that's one of the things that I find very interesting about this is we can make this choice at this point to either gnash our teeth or we can really be resilient and innovative and really forge our way forward.
0: You remind me of a guest I had, uh, recently, the owner of the Cambridge Market, and mm-hmm. they bought the market with all of their resource, and, you know, within a week, <laughs> the thing was flooded out. <laughs> But people from the strangers were showing up and they were doing this fireman chain to get things out of the store. Yeah. And yeah. it was remarkable. And, and it's just, th- these are the stories you're talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Patrick, uh, you have something called, uh, uh not, you, you did a story about, uh, about farming. Was it? Um, a different twist on...
1: Oh, yeah. Those, um the Kingdom Creamery um, uh, in... Um, I think they're in East... <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. The Mitchard family. Th- th- right. They... Um, a, a very neat story about a, a longtime farm family um, uh looking to diversify as many dairy farmers have and farmers of all industries um and their approach rather than necessarily growing a different crop or or adding a a different type of livestock was to to build a creamery which is a, a pretty audacious undertaking but it's uh, right across the road from their their farm so there's the farm on one side and the, the creamery on the other and uh um, it was a neat story to, to go up there and spend time with them and just a, you know, a very hardworking family with four boys, um, that were all out haying when I was the day I was there. Um, but it, it was just a, a neat Vermont story to be able to see. And if you want to talk about fresh, the, the cows are literally on one side of the road and the creamery on the other. So they're, they're making the ice cream and the yogurt and, um, the smoothie mix, uh, you know, from milk that they truck just across the road. Um, yeah.
2: This is another one of these pieces where there's an awful lot of intentionally or not in parenting in this book as well, too, and how people do it. And there's a lot of parenting in this essay about how people are raising kids in Vermont and what the future of Vermont looks like for Yeah, young certainly
1: people. It, it gives you some, some hope to, to see younger people that, um, it's easy to, to get lost in the negative stories maybe about, um, addiction, whether it's to, to drugs or to, um, electronics or, or whatever. But to, to go out and, and see some of these families that are, Um, that are working the land in different ways but in not so different ways that they might have 150 or 200 years ago.
0: Well, I can relate to that because uh, in Vermont at the turn of the century, sheep were all over the mountainside. Mm -hmm. And my daughter and I have a, a farm, Blue Moon Farm, with 10 sheep. And we're kind of like another roadside attraction at times, where my daughter will be running down the road with ten sheep out to the pasture. <laughs> Cars are stopping, and they can't—they have no idea what's going yeah. on. But it's so <laughs> joyous. Exactly. And I love what you said. It's these are the alternatives to things that can be, you know, not so desirable in life, right? Yeah. Um. So we're giving we're giving our kids first a work ethic, uh, which is kind of nice. <laughs> And uh it's for me it's it's just a great way of sort of staying with the land and I love the serenity of the sheep and all of that. It's yeah. Really,
1: yeah. One one of my favorite photos in the in this volume four is a, a photo that somebody uh let us use. It was it's a young girl who went out on the opening day of fishing season that, that happened to be warm this past spring and yeah. caught a couple of gorgeous trout and the the smile on her face holding those. Um you know, that, that it's just neat to see that there is still an appreciation um, from younger people of, of rural Vermont. For sure.
2: But there's also an essay in here from Heidi Albrich, and she talks about being a young woman at 19. And it's an essay really about sheep farming and an older woman. But it's also about being at that age in life where there's so much before you. But also, the complexity of life and the decisions
1: that people make i i that's one of my favorites yeah absolutely well. one of my favorites in it um and if you and Brad, if you've got sheep, that might be one that that you'd appreciate in particular for sure yeah. now at uh ten o'clock, I've got uh Rick Norcross
0: coming in who's just sort of legendary musician here in Vermont right. uh. Is the music scene represented in the Almanac, or is that something that's a goal? Because there's so much artistry in in music.
1: Yeah, we've done um, a a couple of pieces on on construction of wood instruments, um, and that's about as close to the the music as we get, although I would say we've had a couple of live events um, in Randolph at the Chandler Center, and we've had uh, Turnip Truck. Um, they're providing music for us, which was sort of a, uh, I think people found a, a nice connection to, uh, they're singing about some of the things that we're writing about, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, there's so many things that come to mind right now that, um, so you, you've got volumes and volumes ahead of you, of course. Was there a favorite for you, Brett Ann, in the book that was like you never had any idea about something that was occurring in Vermont? Uh.
2: You know, one of my favorite pieces in this book, I mean, I knew this was happening, is a little piece about growing alliums. And it seems like just a tiny little thing. It's a piece that I loved in this book. And I think that that's my own thing. And it was just very well written and very lovely. And I think that anyone who reads it will find their own little piece that they really loved. hmm Yeah.
0: And is poetry a part of the book at all?
2: Or? Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a poem by uh, – poetry is a big piece of this book. Okay. Karen McCatton has a gorgeous poem in here about late September.
0: So you're, you you said earlier, uh, Patrick, that you really didn't have to be somebody who has done this, but you you, you just can come in with something. So this can be the catalyst sort of for people to really get their gift going.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um it it, it like I say it's it, if you, the people that have an appreciation for the land and the people around them um it, if they've got a story to tell, we'd love to hear from them. Um, and it might be something that they do first person, where they say, oh, you know, I did this neat thing, you know, maybe it's something that if I wrote about, you'd be interested in. And, uh, and,
2: and everyone in Vermont has their own story and their own way that they fit into the state and into our community as a whole, in one way or another.
1: Yeah, that's a great way to put it.
2: Yeah. I'd
0: love to
1: see
0: an article on uh, Vermont... How the Vermont accent you
1: know. that's, a great I mean, that's idea. up your way that's
2: a really good idea I love that actually
1: you know let me put in a plug that, that um, makes me think that the humor is one thing that we we try to include but boy we, we really look for humor if you've got Vermont humor um, something humorous or a funny story to tell we'd love to hear from you in particular
0: all right we're winding up we've been talking with Patrick White and Brett Anstanchu about the Vermont um, Almanac. You can go to Vermont Almanac. What to uh,
1: Vermont um to contact us or to purchase a book. Or it's available in I think every bookstore in the state now. So
0: yeah. So all your local bookstores, which we we advocate and want to support here, uh, you can go in and including right here in Waterbury, uh, Bridge Side Books. Uh,
1: yeah, right down the road, they they've
0: got it. Get a copy. So I want to. Thank you both so much for being here. It's great. It's got my mind reeling of things that I I would love to write about and
1: uh, <laughs> that's awesome. We, we we hope to get an e- email from <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: so thank you and you know we'll have you back. Uh it's a Thanks
1: for having us. Yeah, an ongoing thank you, Brad. Yeah, appreciate we, it. appreciate well, it.
0: All right. This is Brad Furlan, Vermont Viewpoint, W D E B Waterbury, Vermont. We'll be back with Rick Norcross.